Hour number two of overtime. Goodness. Jake Miller alongside Davis Rangy, Matthew Catlin, Bryson Taylor, for, former member of the Blitz, Andy Brock, getting us set. Tennessee taking on Gonzaga this weekend. Maui Ahuna on the field, ready to go. Tennessee wearing the home whites. Gonzaga. Looking like they're wearing some powder blue tops, powder blue bottoms. Looks like Old Miss. Nice softball uniforms. Yeah, yeah looks no like joke. yeah, looks like Old Miss's uniforms. I have more respect if they were Navy. Yeah, yeah. they. Were, I saw them walking on campus. The whole baseball team. They had Navy tracksuits on, so I don't know why they should do that. <laughs> Where are at on campus? Ah, uh, next to Chipotle. Yep. Really? Yep. Goodness. <laughs> Chase Dolander will be leading Tennessee off. One and one on the year. ERA at three point four eight. Oh, goodness. Oh, y- y'all need better uniforms than that. Come on now. Nice 250 right over the Mendoza line. The Mendoza. Did y'all see the hideous Dayton uniforms they wore last weekend? The red? They were all red. They looked awful. Like red tops, red bottoms? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can do too much with baseball uniforms sometimes. Yeah. Let's keep it simple, man. I mean, baseball is – I mean, it's a, tr- a traditional sport. I mean, we – we have our uniforms, of course. We have the pinstripe uniforms. I I love those. I think those look really good. And then, of course, the Sunday creams are good. The orange is good. The white's good. I mean, we have great uniforms with baseball, and you know, do it the way we do it. Uh, Vanderbilt, the all black with the pinstripes. I think that looks pretty cool. Yeah. But I mean, there are there is such a thing as doing too much with a baseball uniform. Jake, I know you like uniforms. I saw uh, in Dicks today they got the uh, the new pinstripes out. I, I've never seen them. I don't know if they're new or not, but I've never seen them. You can now buy a pinstripe Tennessee baseball jersey. They look pretty cool. Might be making a trip. Why is this cameraman on a pogo stick? <laughs> every game, I, every game I see on this TV, the angle from behind the mound is like the guy's on a pogo stick, jumping up and down, up and down, <laughs> shaky as hell. Good lord! I did not notice that until you said something. Well, it is windy outside, man. Well, it stopped raining. I went to my apartment; it was flooded almost, literally. Yep. And I come outside and it's sunset, not a cloud in the sky. What world am I in, man? Man, you just had a bad day, haven't you? I'm just tired of this place. I'm tired of these teachers. I'm tired of the school. I'm tired of Dondi not knowing what the hell she's doing. I'm tired of it all, man. I need to stop before I say something I regret My and I goodness. get kicked off. And the rant goes on. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, right up the middle. Right up the middle. Goodness. Nice pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody catching strays today. JL still joins us here in about 15 or so minutes. Excited for his weekly appearance. Talk some NASCAR, talk some racing. We still having the World of Outlaws this weekend? No. That, well, they condensed it to a one night race, I think, next weekend. I, I'll, I'll check on that because I need to know. But I do know that they canceled it. Or Davis is about to it. explode. No, I'm not. It's just funny because I remember last week I was going like 90 down I-40 listening to something about outlaws on a NASCAR track. I was, What is going on, man? The world of outlaws. It's trying so hard not to fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> you, Matthew, you've known Davis for years. Uh, yes. you, and you know when he's mad because that one vein always comes out. Like, I'm looking at about... Five or six veins right now that are just popping out of his forehead. I mean, I've tried my best this semester to be cool about school and everything, but now it's just it's just exploding, as they say, hey, just, just everywhere. Keep it cool, calm, and collected. Matthew, he's going to reach across that table and whip your ass. Hey, man, I've I've seen this. 
Uh, update on what, World man? of Outlaws. It'll be a one-night event on March 16th. There we go, the pogo stick again. <laughs> and oh, they fouled that off, I guess. Not a sellout, huh? Nah. Everybody that has those seats behind them home plate that pay a lot of money for them, and a lot of them don't even go to the games. It's uh, just like the people who uh, go to the basketball games and sit down. Section behind home play is about half. Oh, my oh, gosh. Pull oh, him. Oh, man. Pull him now. By the way, in the Auburn-Alabama game, uh, there was not one person in that arena sitting down within four minutes left of the of the second half. It's a uh, foreign concept around here in the yeah, lower I mean, bowl. Come on. Not a good lit. start. Eight pitches in. We got two runners on. No outs. Oh. I feel like he could have made a play there. This is uh. Hasn't he been pretty mid this season? He's uh, one and one on the year. I don't think he lost a game. But he was really good last year. Oh, he's like, fantastic. Was he like 10-0 and 0 last year? And his ERA was like 2.18 or something? Something ridiculous like that. I mean, hey, man, if you play MLB show right now, you're hoping for that double play. That's concerning. Uh, someone goes home. Yep. Pick your poison, man. Yep. And, I mean, things like this happen in baseball. I mean, you're going to have bad games, but, I mean, this is to a 1-7 Gonzaga team. And, I mean, people don't realize this. Like, for Gonzaga in baseball and basketball, it's fairly easy to recruit to that school. For baseball? Yeah. I mean, they, last year not. I think they made the tournament. I think they were pretty good last year. But So do they? can they offer full-ride scholarships for baseball since they don't have football? Uh, let me double-check this. I would assume so. Or do they have football and we just don't know it? No, they don't, I don't think they have Gonzaga football. Gonzaga offer full because I keep forgetting they're in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, they don't have football. No, they do not. They might be able to. You no, know, Butler has football. News to me. Yes. Apparently Georgetown has football, or am I yes. making that up? Gonzaga no, does not offer academics or athletic scholarships for baseball. But they probably just hand out academic. I mean. Need-based and academic scholarships are available for student-athletes. Well, well, just become emancipated and go get that free ride. Just strike him out here, man. Just strike him out. Oh man! Good boy, this is actually this is actually pissing me off, man. This guy bouncing up and down, and they struck him out. Struck out. Nice. How okay. do you even start one? In, are you start out with cupcakes? Are they the Louisville of college baseball? Mm, nah, there's worse teams. And we're back to this angle. So the new pitch count in the MLB, we've got issues. I don't know if I like it. So. Um, help me out here. Yes, about the pitch count. Yes, not the pitch count, but the um, the pitch timer. Scherzer, Max Scherzer, tested the limits of it today. Got called for a balk. Yeah. Testing the limits of it. Yeah, the pitch clock or whatever they call it. Yeah, so he got called for a balk today. Who was it yesterday that did like? 20 seconds he struck somebody out. Oh, I saw it? that, yeah. It was like, uh, I don't know who it was, but literally within like 20 seconds he struck, uh, it was against the Padres. I can't remember who it was. I think Cutchin? Nah. No, no, no. It's a, I, I don't know who it was, but yeah, within 20 seconds he threw three strikes. Oh. It's like I play MLB The Show. Just press A. Keep going, man. As many pitches as possible. And second guy struck out. Hey, if he gets out of this jam. I'll look this up. Gonzaga's only win, I just looked it up, is uh, Ohio State in extra innings. Uh, it was it was Peralta for the Yankees. 
So who struck out who? He struck out. Uh, who did he strike out? I'm trying to. Yeah, one second. Have any of y'all been watching spring training at all? Uh. I watched like two games. Yeah, they were just on at the gym, like one o'clock yep. in the afternoon. That's the only time I watched was at the gym, in between sets. Look yep. up Red Sox and whoever else was playing yesterday. It's the only game I saw. Oh man, let's get him in here. <sighs> TJ, the Kentucky fan, is next. What do you say, TJ? Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing, man? Living the dream, buddy. Hey, uh, speaking of baseball and the pitch clock, did you see Max Scherzer today? And what he did, that was amazing. Well, I mean, you test the limits of it. You find out what you can and cannot do. And he got called for a balk. And, you know, rather having her in spring training than um... – No, 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 Max Scherzer. No. I thought he – Yeah, no, no. Max Scherzer on the – it was uh, the last pitch. It was like a one-two count. Um, he stood there until the clock got to four. The batter stepped out. And then he got ready, and as soon as the batter got set, the pitch was already by the batter. It was brilliant. He used it to his advantage. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. So, what? What is this? Just to basically speed up the game? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I don't like it. I played baseball for goodness. I mean, a long time. I know everybody did. Played in college and all that stuff. I, Baseball is a peculiar game, as in we have our things we do. We, you know, I don't think baseball should be sped up. I don't. I, I personally don't. If and you know, if you're wanting to get more people involved, well, you know what? Sometimes baseball just ain't for everybody. Just like football. Just like hockey. I don't. I don't watch hockey, but I'm not trying to cry about how they play their game. Y'all play it how you want to. I ain't gonna watch it. Whatever. Don't change it. Nah, it's um, it's where they're trying to speed. The, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to speed the game up, much like they're trying to do in college football. But they're trying to cut off eighteen plays, so essentially two minutes of play to put in more commercials is what they're trying to do. That's what this is all about. Yeah, because you remember, I think it was last year or two years ago, they put in the rule of relief pitching has to face three batters or the end of the inning. No more lefty versus righty, righty versus lefty. I got to change this pitcher for that pitcher, this pitcher for that pitcher, four pitchers an inning. It's one pitcher per inning or the end of the inning. That's also to speed the game up. Yeah, they also put that in the MLB The Show, too. Like you, can't yeah. switch out, you can't switch out a pitcher unless he's faced three batters. Which I don't like that because, I mean, baseball is such a chess game. Like That's it part of what makes it baseball is. what it is. Yes. It is. I mean – it's 100% a chess game. And, you know, hey, by the way, MLB The Show, I can't wait for the new one. Get that Derek Jeter edition. I love it. I, I'm not even a Yankees fan, but I respect Derek. Hey, um, on football real quick, I'm kind of disappointed today if this is the true schedule because I understand Kentucky versus Mississippi State. I get it. It's a nice little rivalry, East versus West. We've played them since the early 90s. I, I don't have a problem with that. I would have picked Florida over Georgia. Georgia-Kentucky, that's no rivalry at all. We've beaten them maybe five times in the history of schools. That's not a rivalry. That's an automatic loss, automatic win for Georgia. 
And I would have traded out South Carolina for Tennessee 100% because we've played for over 100 years. So I'm very disappointed today if that is how it shakes out. No, I think uh, a lot of things weren't taken into consideration when all this was done. I mean, Nick Saban you know, has the gripe that he has, and it is what it is. But, I mean, the thing is he's got to play those teams every year anyway, and I'm pretty sure he obviously he's got a winning record against all those teams. The only team that really gives him fits with who they got is Auburn yeah. sometimes. Then LSU's probably been the more difficult road for them. I mean – Recently. Recently, yeah. yeah Auburn, Auburn over the last, what, 13 years has – they don't have a winning record, but they have like six like wins. Five, six and seven, five yeah, and eight, something yeah, like that. Something like that, yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick before I'm on my way out. You guys are NBA fans, NFL fans, all that stuff. Let's say one of your rival schools, y'all are Tennessee fans, obviously. Let's say one of your rival schools, I don't know, Will Levis or uh, the quarterback from Alabama goes to your favorite NFL team or let's say Anthony Davis or, or somebody like that that you just disguise on another team, your rival team, goes to your favorite NBA team. Do you still root for that NBA, NBA team and and now root for them? Or is it, oh, gosh, he went to that college. I can't root for them anymore. I mean, I'd cheer for the Heat, and I love Tyler Hero. Yeah, I, it, wouldn't Bam, yeah it wouldn't matter to me. It's, it, now that they're not representing that school, I don't I don't care. Just, yeah. just get, win basketball games, Darren win football Fox, games. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is my favorite NBA basketball player. So. Yeah. yeah, if AD came on the Grizzlies, I'm still a Grizzlies fan. I'm not switching up just because AD came. See, I'm different, man. I, I different. Maybe it's just the hate in me or what, but I can't ever cheer for Lamar Jackson. He's about to ruin his career thinking he deserves five hundred million dollars in a in a huge he's about he's he's about to ruin his career, I think. Well, we actually had this conversation earlier in the week about when everyone started really becoming divas and started doing the maintenance days and ouch, uh thinking more of themselves than what they did their team. And I think it ties into when the contracts started getting ridiculous. Because, you know, back in the day, yeah, guys were making a million or so dollars a year and whatnot, and that was the max they were going to get. You know, I think Magic Johnson only made like $5 million over the course of his career. Granted, he invested and turned himself into what he is. But, you know, guys now, all you have to do is sign one contract for 250 or $300 million, and they're set. You don't have to do anything else after that. Those guys back in the day still had to keep working. Well, I mean, look at Manny Machado. He just he just got signed for I think four hundred and eighty million or something like that. He's making more than Mike Trout. Manny Machado for the Padres making more than Mike Trout. That's ridiculous. Y'all have a good night, man. Good luck tomorrow. Appreciate the phone call, TJ. Oh man, good old Manny Machado. <laughs> Definitely take him over Mike Trout. Yep. Yep. Man, Machado or Mike Trout. Uh, I think we're going to go Manny. I was sitting there trying to think of, uh, yeah, I guess Tyrese Maxey is the latest BBN product that's decent in the NBA. Yeah. Besides cause, him. Because Kevin Knox is terrible. Kevin Knox is, He's awful. is a bust. Ty Ty Washington, G League merchant. Nolan's um, Noel out of the league. Yep. Sheway will be a G Leaguer or play in Spain. <laughs> um,. No one on this current – Cason Wallace might go to the NBA, but – That's about it. That's it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, man. Tyler Hero came to the Grizzlies. I would love it. Yep. 
Don't care. Oh, boy. Stay with us. JL Still is making his weekly appearance. We're going to talk some NASCAR. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio. Pleased to be joined by JL Steele for his weekly appearance here on Overtime. JL, what's up, man? Yeah, well, I tell you, I'm just trying to not get blown over like everybody else in East Tennessee now with this wind. It's uh, hope everybody's safe and has power, and uh, it's quite a quite a weather situation we've had today. That it is. You know, I was driving um, was driving home from work, and of course, you know, when you work in the line of work that I do if it starts raining or if the wind gets too bad and it becomes dangerous lightning starts happening it's time to go to the house and that was some gnarly lightning that we experienced yes unbelievable I was in South Knoxville heading to Seymour earlier and uh, made it home I think just in time before the worst of it started went out a little later and there were trees down and power lines down so hope everyone's uh, safe and uh, and out of trouble from all this hopefully so hopefully so um I don't know where I'll to start. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I tell you this: if they're smart, what they're doing right now is doing what I'm doing: watching Xfinity Series qualifying while listening to this show. That's Absolutely. the best of all possible worlds. Absolutely, and the <laughs> Kyle Busch Revenge Tour on Toyota has started, and it has started very fast. You know, Kyle Busch going out to Fontana this past weekend, and what might be the last race that we ever see at that track, and I'm not surprised. I know Bryson's not surprised. JL, I don't think you're surprised. I don't think anybody is because that's just what Kyle Busch does. And it just makes Toyota, like the revenge tour is on, and Toyota's probably sitting there scratching their head saying, why did we do this? Why did we allow this? Why did we not exhaust every possible resource to keep him? You know, kind of like Rick Hendrick back in the day when he was driving the five car and mm-hmm. Dale Jr. comes in and the argument was, well, Kyle Busch is getting his job taken by Dale Jr. But in actuality, when you start thinking about things like, well, really Casey Mears is taking his job. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah, the difference I would say is at that time, Kyle wasn't the proven quantity that he is now. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best all time, where in his Hendrick days, obviously we didn't see that. I think this is going to be one of the biggest things. I, I, I honestly think Toyota letting Kyle Busch get away is going to rank up there with the Wood Brothers letting David Pearson get away. And I know that's mm. over the heads of a lot of newer and younger fans. But, you know, they had such a, a great combination going, winning races and championships and so on. And uh, and I've heard the Wood Brothers say over the years that that's probably their biggest mistake was letting David Pearson go. And I think this Kyle Busch leaving Toyota will probably go down in NASCAR history as that type of move. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at it from every angle, and a lot of people thought, you know, in the back of their head, it was like, well, I don't think he'll do anything because he's going to an RCR car. But then you have to take into account it's Kyle Busch. If there's anyone that knows anything more than driving, someone that knows actually about the setups of the car, you know, what needs to be done in the shop, it's him. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is allegedly Toyota or Gibbs, they weren't able to find sponsorship for Kyle. They 
Well, you know, we've raced two two races this year. Kyle with Childress, and that car's been fully funded. That mm-hmm. car's been fully sponsored. So now tell me how Toyota and Gibbs were unable to sponsor that car, yet Richard Childress, who, you know, for all the, the history that that team has, has not been a consistent contender for many years. All of a sudden, they've got him fully sponsored. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting. It makes you wonder what all's going on behind the scenes, I think. We all we all know why yeah. Kyle Bush got bumped, and it was to put oh, Ty yeah. Gibbs in that one car. Sure. And, sure. you know, that's Absolutely. why we don't have the 18 on the track this year. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting question for you. Okay. Who ends up with more victories this year? Toyota, overall, with all of their drivers, Truex, Gibbs, Hamlin, Bell, or Kyle Bush? So, all Toyota to versus Kyle Bush. I'm taking Kyle Bush. I am too, and that's going to be interesting to watch because if it works out that way, oh, I don't know that Toyota can ever wipe this egg off their face. Oh, they absolutely won't be able to because, I mean, we go back. I think we might have already had this conversation, but you go back to when Toyota first entered NASCAR, and it was Michael Walter bracing, and they yeah. didn't really have anything, and then all of a sudden Joe Gibbs comes in. And it's like, oh, well, we want to be a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. But then you've had teams under Joe Gibbs, you know, like Levine Family Racing, uh, Furniture Row, and it's yeah. like, well, why won't those guys stay? And it's like, well, because Joe Gibbs made them or made it so expensive for them to still be a part of the organization to be affiliated with them mm-hmm. that it's basically ran them out of the sport. I mean, you got yeah. we're talking about a team that won a championship two years prior to them shutting down, but they yeah. had ran Chevrolet before that, and it was like, well, we don't want to go back to this. We want to maintain the level of competition that we're at, so we got to do something here, and they can't do it because Joe Gibbs has made it so expensive for them to be affiliated with Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I tell you what else is happening. It's interesting to watch Toyota, and I'll give them credit for this. Over the last several years, they've probably spent more money and certainly more time in developing drivers in the lower series. But you get this bottleneck that there are only so many seats available as you move up through the ranks. So where are the, all these other drivers going? Well, you know, whether it's, Haley Deegan, whether it's Ty Majeski, you know, Majeski's driving Fords now in the truck series and so on. They spent all this time and money developing these other drivers. And at the time, I was worried, I thought, boy, you know, Ford and Chevrolet, what what do they have in the pipeline or in the minor leagues? Well, now they're taking advantage of these drivers that Toyota developed. They didn't have to spend that time and money, and they're able to put people like Majeski into competitive seats, you know? Right. Um, Toyota really, you know, this is, this is a big season for them because, again, if you and I are right and Kyle Busch outperforms the entire Toyota camp, I don't know how they recover from that. And you, you're looking at one driver, Martin Truex Jr., who it was assumed or certainly thought he may retire after 2022. He came back. How much longer is he going to be around? How motivated is he and so on? So, uh, And Denny Hamlin, for all the success he has, has yet to win a championship. Uh-huh. And I just don't think we've seen just how deeply this uh, move of letting Kyle Busch go might cost Toyota. But we're going to find out this year, I think. You know, it's kind of like, and I don't know how big into NBA you are, but of course back in the 90s, the Chicago Bulls ran everything. Much yeah, like... Sure. Toyota has tried to dominate as much as they can. Of course, Kyle Busch getting two of the championships. And it's like, 
very similar to when Jerry Krause was like pushing Michael Jordan and pushing Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen and all those guys out the door that helped create that and make mm-hmm. it what it was to satisfy just a couple of people. And it's like, well, I'm kind of drawing the comparison here because it's like that guy helped make Toyota racing what it is. Yeah, exactly. That's a great comparison, I think. You know, it's sometimes these guys, and I don't know if it's Joe Gibbs, I don't know if it's David Wilson with Toyota Racing Development. I don't know who it is. You know, you you can't think that you're more important than the parts that you've put together. Those parts got you the success that you've enjoyed and what you've been able to achieve. And that's a great comparison because I think Krauss had the idea that, you know, well, he could let Jordan go. He could let, let Pippen go. He could plug someone else in there. And it's not a case of the, the sum being better than the parts. It's the parts that make that sum. And they just lost the biggest part. And they lost him, obviously, you know, late last year. But the results of that loss were evidence at Fontana last weekend. And, I mean, just pure domination there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, realistically, he should have won the Daytona 500. He was in perfect yeah. position to do it. Exactly, exactly. Now I'll say this though: we're only we're young season. I realize two races in, two different winners. Last year, you know, we had a lot of different winners, and it was great when you're looking at the playoffs because you know for years you thought, well, a guy could just point his way into the playoffs, get, get enough points to get in the playoffs. And last year proved you better win to get in the playoffs. So. I don't know what I want to see more. I don't know if I want to see Kyle Busch go out and dominate, win a whole handful of races, or if I want to see a repeat of last year where we see a lot of different winners. You know, But I think either storyline, whichever way that goes, I think it's going to be fascinating and fun to watch. JL, <clears throat> excuse me, you led right into uh, a question I was going to ask you. Do you have any sleeper picks this year to win a race and make the playoffs? Uh, great question, sleeper picks. You know, I really like... Corey LaJoy. That is music to my ears. Especially on the super speedways. And he showed it at Daytona. He's capable of running up front. Here's what I like. Corey's one of these guys that 25 years ago or so was the type. Back then it seemed like you could show what you could do with a smaller team. And if you took care of equipment and you didn't cause problems on the track, you'd get a chance in in better rides. You know, And you'd kind of move up through the ranks that way. Of course, the whole dynamic has changed, but Corey LaJoy seems to be a guy that gets the absolute most out of his equipment week in and week out. And I'd love to see Corey win. I'm a fan of the underdogs anyway. But, uh, yeah, I would I would bet on Corey LaJoy to win a race this year. Love that because, Me I mean, yeah. you know, you just made a really good point. You know, back in the day, you could work your way into those better odds. Now we've got so many – factors that go into it it's like okay well who do you bring as far as sponsorships go yeah you know and yeah. you know alex bowman has really been the only one that's kind of fell into that opportunity just because he got to drive the 88 when dale jr was injured back in 2000 and, uh not that's 16 right. but 15 mm-hmm. you're absolutely right now look at the xfinity series which again kyle bush by the way is on the pole right now uh there are only a handful of drivers into qualifying but um there's a handful of guys like that. I think of Jeremy Clements. I think of Ryan Sieg. Uh, guys who would take their knocks and lower-level equipment but prove themselves that they, they can take care of things, that they, they're not a, a rolling caution out there, and then they'd get a call to drive 
for a better team and be able to continue to advance through the ranks. We just don't see that anymore. But that's that's kind of why I enjoy the Xfinity series almost, if not more, than the Cup series because these guys are out there trying to prove their worth and, and trying to prove that that they can take care of business on the track without without uh, causing issues. And I don't know if you listened to the Dale Jr. podcast, but he had Jeffrey Earnhardt this week on, mm-hmm. on as his guest. It was a great, uh, great interview, I thought, because, you know, so many people think that Earnhardt's name is nothing but a blessing, but it can also be a curse. And here Jeffrey's out there been banging away for years trying to prove himself and, and prove, and he's another one that takes care of equipment, doesn't cause issues, but it's all about money now. And, and that was a great interview. If you've not heard it, go back and listen to this week's Dale Jr. Download. And, Jeff, we got a little bit of breaking news here on the NASCAR front. Chase Elliott is out for the weekend after a snowboarding accident, suffered a leg injury, and is having surgery. Josh Berry will get that chance. It's funny we were just talking about that because that just got put in front of me that Josh Berry is going to get his chance in a cup car. Well, he will be driving the nine car instead of Chase. I, that's news to me. Didn't know that. I appreciate you sharing that with me. I think it's great for Josh. He's paid his dues in the late model series. He's another one, even though he's with a top-dollar team, he's shown that he uh, doesn't, I, in my opinion, overdrive the equipment, but he makes the most of his opportunities. So I think that's a good, uh, great opportunity for Josh, obviously, and Hendrick Equipment. And that will also take a one of a handful of favorites for this Vegas race off the board with Chase Elliott not being available. Opens up some things for other guys. And a Tennessee native at that. Yes, that's right. If you didn't know that about that's Josh. Right. But it was funny yeah. you mentioned um, Jeffrey Earnhardt because the one thing that always stands out to me about him is, you know, he wasn't just gifted an opportunity. You know, he had to ride in the yeah. 33 Hulu car, running 35th, 34th, back of the pack every single week. And he gets a chance with Joe Gibbs racing in the Xfinity Series. Mm-hmm. And I think every race, maybe except for one, he had a top five finish. I mean, that just shows how much better those cars are and i mean you have to absolutely love the sport and you have to be giving it all you got for what you believe in when you drive for some of these back market teams like we've talked about that's right absolutely and uh and i think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago daytona weekend with ryan ellis the first time i i really paid attention to ryan ellis was when he took a a i think it was a i don't think it was a super speedway car maybe an intermediate or short track car and ran it on the road course at Watkins Glen, where the fuel pickup is on the opposite side of the car, and everything's different. Mm-hmm. And got a top fifteen. You know, at this at that time, he wasn't a really experienced driver, but it just showed the ability and the talent that he had, and he was able to make the most out of that. And that, to me, is what makes the the Xfinity series so fascinating. And it's you've got such a group of. Long-time veterans, which you can count guys like Jeremy Clements uh, and even Ryan Sieg as, as some of those veterans. You've got the guys still trying to prove themselves and come up through the ranks, whether it's Brandon Jones or Sammy Smith or, or whoever it may be. It's just a great mix of not only experience levels, but uh, you know equipment levels with the top-tier teams, the Gibbs, the JRM guys. The smaller teams like uh, B.J. McLeod and so on. It's, I love that series. Always have. Jail, who do you see taking um, over the four car with uh, Harvick retiring? 
Well, good question. Let me let me add that with another question. You know, last year we had Eric Almarola rumored to be retired. Mm-hmm. He came back this year. So we know at the end of 23, uh, they're going to have to replace Harvick in the four. Is Almarola gone as well? Is he sticking around? Is it possible that Stuart Haas might replace two drivers instead of just one? You know, we've got Ryan Priest in there now, so, boy, you know, there could be a couple of great uh, opportunities there on Stuart Haas at the, you know, in that Ford ride. Uh, as far as who might take over, who knows? I mean, where's Daniel Hemrick next year? Um, where's Anthony Alfredo next year? Where some of these guys that have shown they might be able to run at the top level of the Cup Series that are now in Xfinity, where might they land? Those are a couple of names you might want to pay attention to. See, I was thinking maybe the uh, Cole Custer return eventually. Well, and it could, yeah, I think a lot of that's going to depend on how he does in the Xfinity Series this year. Right. You know, a lot of folks don't realize that his dad, Joe Custer, is really a big decision maker there at Stuart Haas. It's kind of funny. People talk about Tony Stewart picking this guy or that guy. I don't know how much Tony actually has to do with the operations of that team. Joe Custer is Gene Haas's right-hand man. And I think that's probably a lot of what helped Cole get that ride in the Cup Series, you know, right. and forced uh, Kurt Busch out. So what kind of season does Cole Custer have this year at Xfinity Series, and how does that play in along with some of these other names? It's it's definitely interesting. I realize we're only two weeks in, going to the third week of the series, but, you know, I don't know if you all watch Drive to Survive on Netflix, but there's always this intrigue, and there's always guys jockeying for position, and bottom line, it comes down to results. Get the results, and things take care of themselves. That they do, and of course, the uh, sponsorship with Anheuser-Busch, um, they are looking mm-hmm. at track house racing right now. However, yeah. if there's any car that that would be fitting for, I think it might actually be the eight. Because guess which company is also a product of Anheuser Busch? Mm-hmm. It would be yeah. nice to see that red number eight back. That's right. It's interesting. You know, they they tweeted something this week about how they were. I forget the exact tweet. They were looking at options or. Uh, I mean, you may know better than I am, but I, I just remember seeing, oh, okay, well, they're not really tied to Stuart Haas. They may be, end up somewhere else next year. So, yeah, that's definitely something to, to watch out for because they've been a part of the sport what, for how long? At least the 80s. You know, it was the the uh, Bush clash mm-hmm. in the early 80s at Daytona for years. So, that's not only some big money, but that's a long-time sponsor. That's that's going to be a real coveted sponsorship. When you got the Bush Series, of course, mm-hmm. you know Budweiser with Dale Jr. I mean, it was all over the place. And before we let you go, we got to get into this weekend. I think Kyle Bush might have a chance to sweep. And keep in mind, I'm a Chase Elliott fan, mm. but I don't. I've really taken a liking to Kyle Bush now because those boos from last weekend they were funny. That was so weird. I was expecting him to be booed, and I'm like, there are a lot of cheers. You know, that's funny. I, I, I didn't expect a lot of boos. 
I got the idea kind of over the off season and on social media and so on that just not only leaving Toyota, coming to Chevy, but also specifically Richard Childress Racing, I thought in the eyes of a lot of fans, Kyle Busch was putting on the white hat now. And then I think post-race last week, as you mentioned, there weren't the boos. I think we saw that. Definitely in Vegas, I would not bet against Kyle Busch. You know, his son Brexton's out there running Bandoleros at the Bull Ring this weekend. So what a great family affair story that would be. I think you couldn't go wrong. Of course, I'm over two picking winners this season. So are we, but <laughs> yeah, Kyle Busch, and if not Bush, Joey Logano. I can ride with that. Do you think I he think gets the sweep? Because another thing that was brought up to me by one of our listeners, Jordan, he actually had a uh, had a question for us. How do you like his chances in the Xfinity Series race, considering how well Colleague has done at Vegas since 2020? I'll tell you this. I would never bet against Kyle Busch. I like his chances. I don't care if it's Colleague. I don't care if it's Hendrick. I don't care who it is or where it is. If Kyle Busch is on the track and in a race, only a fool would not take him seriously as a contender. And, yeah, to, and Bush now I see is fourth. He's been dropped to fourth. That's no big deal for him in, in Xfinity qualifying. He's on the pole for the truck race. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if he swept it. You know, but that's what makes this sport so great. You know, can he do it or not? Who's going to mess it up? Who's going to get in the way? Um, wouldn't surprise me a bit, but it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't happen either because the level of competition is so high. That it is. And, Bryson, I know you've got Kyle Busch. At least on Sunday, you think he can sweep. I'd love to see a sweep, but I've never been a Kyle Busch fan up until this year. So, And see? I think and he that's can sweep. a great example. That's a, You're a great example. A lot of folks haven't been. But let me ask you, what made you a Kyle Busch fan this year? It had to do a lot with, well, Austin Dillon, one, them being okay. teammates. But, two, just, yep. yeah, just the whole Toyota thing. Um, my dad Thank was you. big on film, like, keeping me up to date with that because he's a huge NASCAR guy. And he's kind of turned the page on Kyle Busch, and so have I. So. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks have done that. And, I, again, I think Kyle uh, has kind of put on the white hat. He's one of the good guys now in the minds of a lot of fans. And I don't expect that deal that we saw last weekend where there weren't a lot of booze. You know, they say that once you're at the top of the mountain, everybody wants to knock you off. If Kyle went out and won five, six, seven races this year, I don't think those boos are going to return like they used to be. I think he's kind of solidified his spot in the eyes of a lot of people. He's one of the good guys and one of the great stories of the sport. Absolutely. JL, tell us where to find you on Twitter. I'm at JL underscore Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E. And uh, I certainly appreciate the chance to talk racing with you guys anytime. All right, we'll do it again next week. You got it. Thanks, guys. That is J.L. Still. I like to call him the Gus Manning of NASCAR, making his weekly appearance, making his presence felt. As all guests do via the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, check them out in halls. If you need something to do this weekend, if you want to watch the race out there, you want to watch the Tennessee-Auburn game, you want to watch some baseball, they got you covered. Covered. Ugh. Mouthful. Mm. All righty. Stay with us. Overtime continues. Final segment coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. Final segment of the week. 
It's overtime. It's Fan Run Radio. It's Jake Miller. It's Davis. It's Matthew. It's Bryson. It is you. Uh, why don't you tell us what Kirby Smart had to say? So Kirby Smart was asked, does Georgia have a culture problem? His response, absolutely not. I would say we're far from it. When you talk to people outside our program that come into it, they talk about what a great culture we do have, and we do an incredible job because I've got a lot of outside entities that come into our program and pour into these young men. Do we have perfect young men and women and players? Not necessarily, but I do promise you this. That's the intent for us to grow these guys and get them better, and I feel really good about the culture within our program. Smart said that his wife, Mary Beth, woke him up at 3 a.m. after he missed several phone calls that morning. Heartache, Smart said. Got a call at 3 or so in the morning, went immediately to the emergency room. Probably one of the toughest moments I've ever experienced as a coach and a leader to see the pain in the faces of the players who had joined up in the emergency room that morning. Uh, Georgia AD Josh Brooks was there. You know, I still remember the ER doctor telling me the news. It's just one of the most painful experiences of my life. And then he follows up to say, uh, it's been a tough, trying time for our family, our in-house family, players, and staff. Well, sounds like they have a better PR team than Bama. Yeah, that was a good response. Yeah, it's a good PR response, a good PC response. Oh, Lordy. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Jordan will be our final caller. What do you say, Jordan? Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Hey, uh, Davis and Matthew, just so you know, Harry Diggins starts fifth in the race tonight if you want to tune in to watch because I know you got a favorite driver now. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name again? Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan. Uh, He's yeah. going on but, Fanatics uh, right now to buy a shirt. Yeah, I'll be sure, I'll be sure to tune in to my new favorite driver. Uh, but yeah, I was going to call in real quick and oh, wow. uh, give you my picks for this weekend. Uh, uh, Jake, uh, Three out of the last four races, Kyle Busch has finished in the top three at Vegas. Four out of the last five, he's finished top five at Vegas. So I'm going to take Kyle Busch to win on Sunday and sprinkle a little money as a long shot on Austin Cendrick. He, uh, last year at mile and a half tracks, he had the second fastest qualifying time uh, behind Tyler Reddick. So he has the speed. I checked earlier, he's plus 8,000 to win on oh. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Denny, Denny Hamlin has had six straight top tens at mile-and-a-half tracks, and he had accumulated the third most points at mile-and-a-half tracks last season. So I would take him to probably finish top ten, top five. Uh, Austin Dillon is plus 250 to finish in the top ten. Last year his average finish at uh, mile-and-a-half tracks was 11, 11 and a half. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of money on all of that. I'm taking Kyle Busch to sweep the weekend. I'm going to throw money on it for him to sweep the weekend. Uh, as you guys were saying earlier, he's out for revenge. And uh, they had the speed last year. As I said, a mile and a half track, uh, Tyler Reddick uh, had the fastest qualifying time out of all the cars last year on average at mile and a half track. So the eight car has the speed. They have the team. And in my opinion, they now have a better driver. And that eight car, uh, Reddick should have won five or six races last year. If it wasn't for some mechanical failure, uh, he should have won the dirt race. So now you have a driver in there that may not make some of those same mistakes that Tyler Reddick made. It can, can get that car to the finish line. Uh, I, I think this could be a really big year. Uh, I looked earlier in the week. Kevin Harvick left RCR, went to Stuart Haas right about the same age that Kyle is now. And he went on a tear, won a championship. One year he won nine races, another year he won eight races. I could see a similar thing happen with Kyle going to RCR 
and rejuvenating his career and him going on another run for the next five to six years to because he's still in his prime. 38, right. The 38 to 43, 44 is your prime years. So he's still, he's still in the middle of his prime. So I, I think it's going to be a big year for him. Well, and people forget, too, like how bad the relationship was with Kevin Harvick and RCR towards the end. And at one yeah. point, he was complaining so bad that Richard Childress got on the radio and just said, shut up and drive the damn car. Yeah, and... The, the bad thing about that is Kyle's prone to get on the radio and not shut up. So it'll be interesting to see if Richard gets on there and tells him to shut up. Uh, right now, right now they're in the honeymoon phase. I, I listened to Dennis' podcast earlier in the week. I listened to Denny Hamlin's podcast earlier in the week. And you listen to some people in NASCAR, and a lot, a lot of people are still kind of skeptical about this uh, marriage here with Kyle Busch and RCR. Just kind of, they're, they're kind of still trying to feel this thing out. It's the honeymoon stage right now. Let's, as Denny Hamlin said on his podcast, when things are going good, Kyle Busch is easy to deal with. When things aren't going so great, he's not finishing well. Kyle can, Kyle can become a prick, and he's hard to deal with. So let's see what happens. Maybe later in the summer, maybe they don't run as well. They, you know, a few races in a row. Let's see how that mare starts starts turning out once things aren't as smooth as they are right now. But right now, I mean, they're running great. They got the speed. Everything's great. They're, they're going to hit some adversity at some point. They will, and every team does. I mean, some people just have to deal with adversity all year in that sport and you know kurt bush prime example of it when he had to go race for phoenix racing and waste a couple of years of his career god i don't think there was a more miserable person on earth than what kurt bush was when he was racing for phoenix racing right correct uh another thing that popped in my head too for the xfinity race on saturday i sent you the, the stat earlier kyle's going to be in a college racing car college racing has only had three races since 2020 that they have not had a car finished inside the top 10 so he's getting into a car that's got the speed too. I mean, he's going to be in great, great equipment this weekend. Um, I sent you the picture of the paint scheme that I saw last night of them doing a throwback scheme to uh, Earnhardt's uh, eight Bush car. If that they one. were to do that throwback at Darlington, I don't think I'd be able to wear pants for about a month. Oh, I wouldn't be either. <laughs> I mean, I it would be impossible for me to put pants on for about a month if they, if they did that that's just a beautiful 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 thing it is i mean it's great it's a great throwback i mean what a better way i mean goodness that would be the best thing that has happened to nascar since probably i don't know getting rid of the car tomorrow probably that was awful yeah. uh, uh one more thing before i get off here too i was talking to a couple people earlier in the week and i heard you last week you know talk to still about you know what what is nascar done wrong uh with the younger generation to not get younger guys you know uh people to to watch to watch nascar my whole spiel on that and i think you and still would agree to is for 20 years nascar has been chasing this ghost fan that's not out there right they're trying to go to these markets where nobody cares about stock car racing i mean stock car racing is a southern sport it's a niche sport you know it's it's like the Chicago street race later this summer. I'm not going to watch that crap. No, if it's going to be awful. Street race, yeah, if I want to watch a street race, I turn on Formula One or something. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not watching that. I want oval racing. You know, road course racing is fine. I'm a traditionalist. I hate change. I miss having the Pepsi 400 at Daytona on 4th of July weekend and having a beer in my hand with some hot dogs on the grill, watching cars go 210 miles an hour for 200, you know, 160, 200 laps. Right. I don't want to see cars on 4th of July turn right, turn left. 
for 60, 70 laps. I want to see that. Get, get them back to Daytona. That, I, it sounds terrible because you never want anything to fail, but I hope that Chicago race is a complete and utter failure because I do not want to see that crap. I just don't want to see that crap. Well, especially when they go to like Road America and places like that, and it takes four minutes to get around the track. Yeah. Caution laps yeah. take forever, and it's so bad. It's a terrible product to put on the television. It's just not good. Like they need to stop. I mean, that's did you did you listen to? I think it was Brian French Jr. They had that Dale Jr. had on his podcast. Did you, have you listened to that podcast? I have not. You you should go give it a listen, and you will find out everything that went wrong with NASCAR for a twenty year period. Because every time Dale Jr. would ask him, "Why why did you make this decision? Or why did you make that decision?" France would every single time compare it to football or basketball. It's not the same. He's like, they, they, you know, well, we expanded to 16 teams and or 16 drivers and chase because, well, football expanded their playoffs. It's not the same. Like, he, he kept trying to compare every decision they make to a bat and ball sport when it's not a bat and ball sport. It's not even the same playing field. It's not even the same rule. It's not even the same thing. That's where they went wrong for 20 years. One, they're chasing a ghost fan that's not there that's not going to watch. Two, they're trying to compare it to bat and ball sports when it's never going to be that, never was that. And that's what that's what has destroyed NASCAR. It's just like Steele said. Think about how expensive it is just to go spend a weekend with your family now. Like I, It's almost impossible to go spend a weekend with your family at the racetrack. And it used to be a complete show. The entire weekend was a show. You know, you can find old clips of you know, back in the 90s, the Coke 600 or the All-Star Race qualifying. It'd be thousands of people show up for qualifying. They'd have music on in the background, make it a big spectacular show. The guy on, on the PA speaker is going crazy, pumping everything up as the cars go around. They don't have any kind of stuff like that to turn to turn it into a show anymore. You, it was a it, everything. Every time something was on the track, whether it was practice, qualifying, bush series, cup series, truck series, it was must see because they made it into a show. That they that's did. What need to get back to. Jordan, we got to run, buddy. We'll talk soon. That's going to do it for us. Thank you, Davis. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Bryson. Something else coming up next here on WKGN. Tune in tomorrow, excuse me, Monday for three and out, right here on Fan Run Radio.